Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 325 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we're speaking with Deborah Neiman Boyle, and we're talking about self-publishing versus traditional publishing. This is going to be a great conversation that if you have ever wondered about having a book and adding it to your business, if it is the right fit for you or not, so that you can determine what you're going to do. Deborah is also our guest expert that is going to be coming, came into Mastering Your Influence back in December. So if you are not a Mastering Your Influence member, you can still join in and be able to have access to that previous training that she did. It's always beneficial and able to be get back to those trainings that were done previously that are part of our archive in there. All right, you guys, let's dive into this conversation. Hi, Deborah. How are you? Good. How are you? Very good. I'm excited to have this conversation with you about self-publishing versus traditional publishing. But before we jump into that, will you introduce yourself and your business to my audience? Well, I got started quite a while ago. I had this, uh, what I now say is an old-fashioned idea that you have a blog and then you get discovered by a publisher and then you get rich. <laughs> and so I started a blog in 2006 and I got discovered by a publisher in 2010 and I wrote three books, but I did not get rich. <laughs> and so basically, and at this point I've written six books and the it's a very outdated idea. That's how things worked in the 90s. And I like right there in the early part of the 2000s is when things started to change. And um, now, like writing a book is not the ticket to um, wealth and fame like it used to be. It's really just one part of what I call a information business, which yes. is pretty much what most of us are into is, is disseminating information. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, let's really jump into then the specifics of self-publishing versus traditional publishing. So in your opinion, is it better to self-publish or traditional publish? It totally depends on the individual. There are some people who will do much better with one than with the other. So if you are, you really have to be a super go-getter to self-publish and to do it well. I mean, anybody can do it. Like you, you know, you write the book and and you put it out there. Like you can, you can publish for free using print on demand technology these days. But if you do that, you will sell less than a hundred copies according to the statistics. Um, because that is just this teeny tiny little part of it. And for years before I got discovered by a publisher, I kept saying, I'm going to self-publish. <laughs> and then after I did it, I thought, oh my gosh, I never would have got this done. Because when you self-publish, not only are you the author, but you're also, you're everything. And, or you have to hire somebody to do everything. And that's a really long list. <laughs> Yes. So would you say that that's definitely a disadvantage of self-publishing is that you have to wear all of the hats? 
Yeah, absolutely. And we're not all good at everything. You know, like, I mean, you really cannot be your own editor. Like you have to hire an editor. Um, But if you have no experience in publishing, then you may not even know what you're looking for. You know, I know people who've like, oh, my next door neighbor is a high school English teacher. Um, that's not a book editor. They're completely different. It's not just a matter of like making sure your grammar is right. A huge part of what a book editor does is make sure that, you know, this sentence means exactly what you meant it to say. You know, I, I was shocked the first time that I sent in my first manuscript because after I wrote it, I had my husband read it and I had my daughter read it who was in her 20s. And I thought it was flawless. And it comes back to me and she's like, well, I think that we should take chapter seven and move it to chapter two and we should do this and this. And I mean, it was so much more than just, you know, do you have, is all the grammar good? Yes. So there's a difference between the two, right? There's a book editor and then also a line editor that goes line by line, kind of like looking for the grammar, the punctuation, all of that. Do you normally recommend having more, having both of those? Oh, yeah. Like what my publisher does is that we've got the editor and I are working back and forth over and over again, like so many times until like you don't see mistakes anymore. And then they have a proofreader go over it. And I am I have always been shocked. Like I've had six books now and I am always shocked that every time the proofreader at the end finds, you know, 50, 60 mistakes in the book. Yeah. <laughs> so now all six of your books, were they traditionally published or did you have any that you self-published? So all six of them were traditionally published with the same publisher. Um, and normally when you sign a contract with a traditional publisher, they will throw a, a clause in there that gives them the right of first refusal on your next work, um, which means that when you decide you want to publish another book, you go to them and say, hi, I was thinking of writing another book. And they will say yes or no. Um, and if they say yes, you can you know negotiate the terms and stuff. And if you don't like the terms, you can move on to somebody else. You're just giving them the right a first refusal. Um, and in my case, they've always said yes, that they wanted to publish my next book. Yes. Okay. And your books that you have published are niche specific within also is your blog, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. And and really, I mean, your your books do have to be very niche specific. And this is where like not every publisher publishes everything. You know, I was I was buying shoes one time and the person saw my email address and um, figured out that I was a writer based on my email address. And she's like, oh, would you give me the name of your publisher? And I said, well, what do you write? And she said, business books. And I'm like, oh, no, my publisher doesn't publish business books. They only publish books in the sustainability realm. And, and that's a good thing because you want to have a publisher who understands the niche and that they're going to be able to sell to that audience. You know, they they don't know what people are looking for in terms of business books. They are looking for sustainability and, you know, everything from like solar power to hydroponics to homesteading and gardening and that kind of stuff. That's the audience that they know. And a lot yeah. of agents are the same way. They specialize in one niche. So how do you go about determining the if you wanted to go the traditional publishing route that the agent or that the publisher is actually within your niche? Do they 
kind of let you know what that is, is easily accessible to find that information. Yeah, they all have a website. And so you can go to their website and see what kind of books they have on their list. So like if you went to my publisher's website, that's what you would see. You'd see all these books on all those topics that I just mentioned. Um, And then there are, of course, there's, I think we're down to the big five. I don't know. It used to be the big six. And before that was the big seven, you know, the ginormous publishing houses in New York City that just keep gobbling up more and more um, other publishing houses. Um, And they publish everything, but that's not even like on your radar because they only accept agented submissions, which means you have to have an agent to even get your foot in the door. But smaller niche publishers usually do accept submissions directly from authors. And many of them prefer it. Which makes sense. So now you said before, when we first were starting about the money that people assume that you make lots of money when you are an author. When it comes to self-publishing and traditional publishing, do you feel that one makes more money than the other? So it really depends on your audience and your ability to sell books. Um, I've heard Pat Flynn say that he has been approached by multiple publishers wanting to publish his next book. And he always says no, because he has such a huge audience and such a big reach that there's no way he's going to make the same amount of money if he traditionally publishes. Um, and I totally get that. There's um, There was a book um, called Author, Publisher, Entrepreneur that was, was probably eight or nine years old now. And he says in there that if you think you can sell, um, your publisher has to be able to sell seven times as many books as you in order for you to make more money. And it seems like self-publishing should be easier. Like, oh yeah, I can I can sell that many books. Um, but it really, when you think about the fact that like publishers have things in place, um, they have salespeople who contact like all the libraries and all the bookstores and all these places that your book is going to be in so many more places. Um, I look at what my publisher sells versus what I'm able to sell. And it is, it is huge. Like pretty much like right out of the gate, there's a thousand books sold just from what they've done, you know, as opposed to what I can do with my audience, which is, you know, right out of the gate, usually just a few hundred. So they do sell a lot more just instantly because of all their connections in the distribution. Okay. So I guess the next question that would make sense is what size audience should you have in order to profitably self-publish? I would say in most, and it's going to be niche dependent, but in most, you really need to have like at least 5,000 people on your email list um, to even, and that's not even like, you're not even making a living there. You're just, you're just selling books. You know, um, a few years ago I was in a mastermind and there was a woman in there who was so depressed because she had just self-published a book and had not sold a single copy. And, and everybody is like going over her sales page and all of her marketing stuff. And I said, how many people are on your email list? And she said, 300. And my heart just sank. I I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, you're not, I'm not surprised, you know, Um, that's just not, you just, you're not going to sell that many books if your list is only 300 people. Right. Um, 
So I, my email list, I had a few thousand people in my email list before I ever even tried to sell anything to them. And it was mostly because I couldn't decide what to try to sell them. I'm like, I don't know what to, I don't know what to sell. Um, And I'm really glad that I didn't try to sell anything sooner because it would have just been really depressing. Yes. You do have to know that you're going to be able to grow this. It's just to have it set up over time and continuing to grow. So we talked about the self-publishing audience size. What are the expectations of traditional publishers on audience size and the marketing that they expect you to do? Again, it kind of depends on the niche. Um, but they really, and I don't, and I don't know that all of them are going to necessarily ask you um, for like the essentially the same thing as your media kit that you would give to somebody that's advertising. But they do want to see, like, they want to see a website and they want to see a social media presence on one or more of the social media channels. And if you are willing to do speaking, then they love that even more. Um, you know, if you can attend events and things like that. Um, so usually like they want to see, um, something, you know, I know in the beginning when I was like sending book proposals to publishers, I was saying, I'll start a website. And I thought that was so amazing of me to say that I was willing to do that. And of course I never published anything because they're looking for somebody who already has a website that has traffic. Right. And has the people that are going to like be there because anytime you publish a book, whether you're self-publishing or you're traditional publishing, you're talking about it. It's part of who you are. So when we're looking at this, if it's not necessarily about the money, what does self-publishing or traditional publishing actually give you as a blogger, let's say? It does give you credibility. Um, I say I accidentally became a goat expert. I don't know why I didn't expect this. <laughs> um, but my first book was a very general homesteading book. And then my publisher saw me speaking at a conference where I was talking about goats. And after that talk, she said to me, Hey, have you thought about doing a book on goats? And I was like, Sure. And I had no idea that that was going to pigeonhole me in the eyes of so many people. It's like, oh, you're the goat lady. You're the you're a goat expert. Um, it you know, it's just like people who you know, an actor who plays a role, and then everybody wants to put them in that same role for the rest of their career. Um, that you are, it's a great way. I mean, and so if you want to become an expert in something, a book is a really great way to do it. Um, and if you're traditionally published, that used to give you a really big leg up. In fact, it's hilarious to hear that Brene Brown self-published her first book and the other people at the university were totally looking down their noses at her and like, oh, you self-published. Like there used to be this really horrible stigma attached to self-publishing. It's like, oh, you only do that if, if you can't get a real publisher to publish you. And that's not the case anymore because there's so much out there in terms of um, pa book packagers, which are not just the printers, but people who offer you like all the services and stuff. So you can have, uh, you can put out some really good quality books now um if you self-publish 
Yes. No, that makes a ton of sense. And I do think it's that level of expertise because I know a lot of my bloggers will say, I want to speak, right? And that does. It gives you the credibility when you have a book behind your name to make it easier to speak. Um, And like you said, that was how you ended up being so niched with the goats was because of that speaking and then being offered the idea to be able to uh, traditionally publish a book on goats. So... Mm -hmm. No, excellent. So now you also have a roadmap for determining whether self-publishing or tra- traditional publishing is right for you. We're going to link to that actually in the show notes that people can make sure that they find it and be able to hop on to try to figure out which is the best route for them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a tendency to kind of lean towards after having traditionally published so many times, do you lean towards self-publishing over traditional publishing or vice versa? At the moment, <laughs> I still lean towards um, traditional publishing just because of the marketing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had a bigger audience, um, I would be much more inclined to go with self-publishing. I would totally go with self-publishing. Um, where that number came from about like, you know, if can you sell can your publisher sell seven times more books than you is because when you traditionally publish, your most contracts are going to give you 10% of wholesale. And that sounds ridiculous at first. You're like, what? 10% of wholesale? That's terrible. Um, but all you're doing is writing the book, you know, like they are paying for the editing, the layout, the marketing, everything, you know, the printing. They are paying for everything else. Um, so all you really have to do is write. So if if writing is your passion and you're like, oh my gosh, I hate marketing. I don't want to do that. Traditional publishing will be less painful <laughs> for you because that's all you have to do. Um, but if you self-publish, the potential is there, you know, like Pat Flynn, the potential is there to make a lot more money because a lot of print on demand, and it, it's going to vary a little bit from one to another, but a lot of print on demand, it's like basically you upload your book for free to their website and then you don't pay anything. As people buy the book, you get um, paid. And so, and for a lot of them, you're getting like 70% of the cover price. Right. You know, it depends on how you price the book. Um but all you have to cover is the cost of the of the printing and then the print on demand companies overhead, you know, whatever whatever their profit margin is going to be. But 70% of retail is a lot more than 10% of wholesale. Right. And you also have other options as far as doing a digital version of it for like a Kindle or to have it on Audible. Um, so there are other ways that it can be delivered. Whereas like when you're traditionally published, is that even an option to have a Kindle version of it? Oh yeah. All the publishers do that now. They do. Okay. Yeah. All the publishers do the eBooks. Um, and the audiobooks, not necessarily. In fact, my publisher does not do audiobooks. And in the beginning, you know, like when they presented me with my first book contract, I'm like, oh, yes, tell me where to sign. <laughs> I was just so excited. Um, but after a couple of books, I'm like, ah, oh, hold it. I'm going to actually read this now and like see if I really agree with everything here. Um, and that's also when I realized like they don't do audiobooks, but I was signing away the right to those. And so in my later contracts, I said, I want to retain the right for audiobooks. And they're like, oh, sure, fine. 
Okay. Because I mean, they knew they weren't using them anyway. Right. Um, so if I wanted to make audiobooks of my later books, I could do that now since I did not sign away that right in my contract. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. So Deborah, this has been really helpful. And I want to make sure that my listeners, make sure you hop over to get that roadmap so that you really can figure out which is going to be best for you. Because some of you have audiences already built in. Um, and others of you may be on a point where you're self-publishing or even traditional publishing. You got to take a little bit of time to get there. So figure out that roadmap and definitely go and grab that. Deborah, where are the best places to connect with you? What is the website that you have for your coaching business for books and writing? People can find me at business2book.com because that's basically my goal is helping people with a business add a book to their suite of products. Excellent. Yes. All right. So we are going to make sure that we have all of that in the show notes. Deborah, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Such a great conversation about which direction to go. Awesome. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Of course. All right. Well, there you have it. So hopefully you've already gone and grabbed the roadmap that Deborah offered so that you can really determine which will be the best route for you, whether it'll be self-publishing or traditionally publishing. And now you have a better idea of what the purpose is behind doing either one of those. As always, we appreciate you so much when you leave a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app because it lets us get great guests to come onto the show. All right, y'all. Until next time, I will see you all then.